Been listening to Donald Trump tonight, which is why I'm so late with this podcast. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go through with it anyway. So with that said, let's talk drugs. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Now, I want to make it something clear. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. The opioid crisis is not a government conspiracy. It is by a product of bad policy on the border, a listless medical community that did not check the facts, and a corrupt pharmaceutical company, corrupt doctors, and depressed population going through a struggling economy. That's what's caused the opioid crisis. The question is, I talked about this earlier, why hasn't it been fixed yet? Or why haven't we made any attempts? Well, this is what we're going to talk about today. I'm Again, I'm no Alex Jones. As a matter of fact, uh, the Post has a little to do with the opioid crisis because the government did not expect it, did not know how to fix it. And I can understand that. But now we're going on 10 years. We're going to talk about the opioid crisis in a separate uh, podcast because I definitely have my opinions about it. And to be honest with you, I've lost loved ones with it. So I think it's kind of important to talk about it. This is going to be another post about The Brave New World, the novel by uh, Aldous Aldous Huxley in 1931. As we talked about last week, the way the government controls their people is by making them constantly either working or in a state of pleasure. There's no in between. Okay? If they're not working 8 to 10 hours, well then you got to keep them happy because their work is not going to be satisfactory. They're not going to gain anything out of it, so they throw pleasure. One of the ways they keep pleasure is through a drug called Soma. Last week, we talked about the other way, which was through sex. Uh, Soma, which is what the which is what Huxley defines as the drug, is a mythical drug that fills the user with temporary pleasure, probably much like the drugs today, but will leave the user unaffected when they come down from the high. That way they can work unimpeded. Now, no use nobody actually got addicted to this drug. And when we talk about opiates, we're probably going to talk a little bit about the whole concept of addiction because Huxley probably didn't know too much about addiction at the time. This is the second parallel of the book that really stands out. Drugs in our society have been embraced, and I don't think it's a good thing. I'm probably the only libertarian in the world that does not believe that drug legalization the drug legalization is a good thing and um, I have personal and to be honest with you logical reasons why I'm sure not everyone who re- who actually listens to this podcast is going to agree with me but I'm pretty sure my argu- arguments going to be really hard to fight so let's get on with the drugs For the past few decades, there has been a real push to legalize marijuana. And when I say for the past few decades, they've actually been pushing for marijuana legalization since probably the 60s and 70s, uh, 1960s and 1970s for you millennials and so forth. 
I don't get go a day on Twitter with some Democratic politician pushing for the legalization of marijuana. The push for legalization started out benign enough. Um, there was a fringe group of stoners back in the 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s, who wanted to, the drug legalized. Their simple reason was that the drug was safer than alcohol. It's not. Uh, and alcohol is legal, which it wasn't. We tried to make it illegal. We're going to get to all that later. But this push was never really taken seriously until about the 2000s. Most people did not see the drug as a good drug. And they never really saw how it was going to benefit society. And so when it was put on the ballot, it was kind of rejected pretty quickly. But that's changed. It became understood that marijuana did have medicinal purposes. This was about mid-2000s, probably late 2000s. And there were some good properties in marijuana that could serve a purpose. There were two main components of weed that, got, uh, that are found to be good. That's THC and CBD. Now, I'm going to use pot from now on because I don't want to respect it by giving a really cool name like marijuana, but I don't know how marijuana is any cooler. I just don't feel like saying marijuana every five minutes. So, according to uh, drugabuse.gov, THC can increase appetite and reduce nausea. That's good. This is one of the resorts cancer patients will have, will use, uh, during their treatment. Uh, cancer patients have a tendency of really suffering. They don't want to eat. They're constantly nauseous. They'll smoke weed, or they did smoke weed back in the day, and today they can take pills for it. They've been able to pull the THC out of the pills, out of the uh, weed to make pills. So they'll take the THC to lower the, the nausea and raise their appetite. Because if you've ever seen anyone with cancer, they just don't eat a lot. It also has other properties like decreasing pain, swelling, and redness, and will deal with muscle control problems. Now, I'm a big fan for um, medical marijuana when it comes to this. I've seen too many people with cancer. I understand their suffering. And especially if it's terminal, I, you know what? Give them whatever they can take. Let them eat. Let them enjoy life for whatever they can do. I'm not a big fan of euthanasia when it comes to, you know, injecting them with... Um, uh, injecting them with uh, uh, opiates or whatever. I, I'm just not a big fan. But I, I have seen people really enjoy their last, you know, moments of life. There's another one, CBD. CBD is a cannabinoid that will give someone, will not give anyone that high that THC does. Um, it is known to control epileptic, epileptic seizures, treating mental illness, and addiction. Scientists are studying the effects of several hundred cannabinoids that are within marijuana, and there is promise for the diseases like cancer and HIV. Now, cannabinoids, believe it or not, you go out for a 25-mile run. Let's just say you go out and you run really far, and you notice you have that high and that low. 
that high is because there are hormones that are injected into the brain that reduce pain and create energy. Now, a lot of people thought those horm- that hormone was um, endorphins. Well, it turns out the hormones are actually endorphins and cannabinoids. So the brain actually uh, produces cannabinoids naturally. And CB, uh, CBD is a natural producing cannabinoid. So as marijuana uh, became more accepted in medicine and legalized for all medical purposes within some states, California being one of them, New York, uh, or I don't know about New York, but shops began popping up that would sell medical marijuana. All a person needed to do was see a doctor and the doctor would say, yes, you need marijuana and for medical purposes. And that doctor would give you a prescription. They take that prescription to the shop and that shop would give you a mar- medical marijuana card. Here's the problem. Um, marijuana is legal by state, but federally it's still considered a, a, a it's still considered a class one drug. So the federal government to this day has never legalized marijuana. So a lot of mainstream doctors, these are doctors that actually had practices, they actually deal with people, they would not give any prescriptions for marijuana because they could technically get in trouble with the federal government and they wouldn't risk it. So what the actual pot shops did is they hired their own doctors. Now, some of these doctors were very questionable when it came to doctor. A lot of them couldn't prescribe medication. A lot of them were, you know, their licenses were kind of questionable because they'd gotten into trouble in the past. But what would happen is if, let's just say, I decided to go into a medical marijuana clinic, a pot, no, shop, it, they weren't clinics. If I decided to go into a medical marijuana clinic, I could sit there and say, well, I, you know, I don't have a, a prescription. I don't have anything that says I can have it. And that place would sit back and say, okay, well then go ahead. You can meet our doctor and talk to the doctor. So <laughs> what ended up hap- happening is these doctors were kind of iffy and they would assign medical marijuana cards for anything. They would sit back and give it for anxiety, sore muscles, and joints, loss of creativity. That's a great one, which means that book you're writing, you just can't remember how to get to the next step. So, hey, here's pot. That'll help you. It does, by the way. Insomnia. These were not the illnesses that the states decided to legalize medical marijuana for. Glaucoma. Hero, uh, glaucoma. Um drug addiction, HIV, and uh, AIDS. Death. You're going to die. These were what it was meant for, but that's been kind of thrown completely out of the window. I mean, it's... So basically, these medical marijuana shops became corrupted. But this did something to our society. This was a big thing when people, when these clinics started, these shops started getting their own doctors. 
It brought pot out of the closet and into the light. It was no longer seen as an illicit drug. Getting caught with pot didn't mean you got an arrest or even a ticket. Half the time they tell you to toss it and that was it. Or the cop would keep it and smoke it himself. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. that was a joke. It started becoming accepted. And it got easier to get. Even drug dealers had problems complete and competing with the medical marijuana industry. As a matter of fact, there have been a ton of illegal drug dealers fighting or killing the personnel of medical marijuana shops. Slowly but surely, pot was becoming mainstream and the users were becoming vocal about legalization. They wanted it legal and they weren't afraid to say it. So let's take a look at the actual arguments of the pro and the pro uh, marijuana arguments. And I've had these arguments with everyone. And I, I actually did get these arguments for procon.org. Some of these arguments I've never even heard of, but I added them there. There are about 10, 12 arguments there. Um, take a look at it. The link is actually below. So let's take a look at the arguments. And then I'm going to argue the arguments because I think they're stupid arguments. Um, the first argument is that pot is safer than alcohol and tobacco and has a lot of benefits for the, for the smoker. No, but we'll get to that. Two. Legalizing would give the government a better way to regulate it and make the quality safer. Uh, sort of. Pot can be taxed, bringing billions of dollars for government programs. Okay, which programs? We'll get there. Pot is far less addictive than any other drugs and is not a gateway drug to other more dangerous drugs. Lie. It will lead to less teenage use. I don't even understand that statement. That is just a dumb statement. DUI arrests might actually lower. That actually is true, but not for the reason you think it is. Marijuana enforcement is racist because it impacts minorities more than white neighborhoods. This is a story. I, I, no, I'm not even going to acknowledge this argument right now. We'll talk about that. Crime will, do, uh, crime will go down. That is the laziest argument here. And I'll tell you why in a second. A majority of Americans support legalization. My answer is, so what? Okay, so you saw those. Now let me counter each and every one of them. And I will show you why each and every one of these arguments is just crap. So let's go. Pot is not safer than either alcohol or smoking. In fact, there are studies that say the opposite. It is bad for those who have a pre who do not have an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex developed in kids. The studies have shown that mental function can be impaired and even will lower the IQ of the individual. Now, here's the kicker. The prefrontal cortex does not mature to about 
between 26 and 28. There have even been people that sat there and said, well, it shouldn't be legal until someone's 25. What's the point? It's bad. It's absolutely bad. Smoking, on the other hand, pot burns a lot hotter than cigarettes. That would lead to more of a chance of lung cancer or um, throat cancer. So to sit back and say it's safer than anything else is not true. And we haven't even talked about the mental problems that can come about it. Let's go to the second part. Pot is not safer. Pot is not safer. Uh, hold on. Let me take a look what I was looking at here. I'm looking at Pot is not safer today because of regulation. As a matter of fact, pot has been hybrid, made into a hybrid. It's gotten stronger. It's gotten pure. News studies have found that pot, that the pot hybrid is up to 70% THC. This is the one that makes you go kind of stoned. Studies see a correlation between smoking pot and depression, loss of memory, and even some psychological problems, including schizophrenia, paranoia. That's because even though there's regulation, the regulation is not on the contents of the pot. The regulation is on how it can be sold. So the government has not fixed this. This is a great one. Pot can... In, and this argument is really bad only because this was countered 30 years ago. There's a book called The Black Book, uh, Black book of Conservatism. And Drugs, Weed, I don't know which it was, was one of the last chapters. And they talked about this. Um Pot, yes, it can bring billions of dollars in taxes. California is now charging um, 30% tax on pot, or is it 40%? I know, it's crazy. So, well, California doesn't even have recreational pot shops yet. They don't know how to control it. That's the other problem. As opposed to regulation, which is what we were talking about in the last section, there's no regulation yet. They don't know how to regulate it. But anyway, that's goes that goes it can bring billions of dollars in taxes. Other things that come with pot legalization include unemployment, health problems, homelessness, addiction, and other mental disabilities. Seems like the billions that might be collected might be going towards those problems. And those problems might include um, I don't know, food stamps, welfare, housing. I just don't understand how you can sit back. Oh, we could collect ten billion dollars, but if you're you're getting nailed on twenty billion dollars of other crap that's going on, and if you haven't seen been to California recently, you might notice that we got a kind of a homeless problem in this state. I'm from San Diego. There's a huge homeless problem in San Diego. San Francisco is worse. San Jose is worse. Los Angeles is worse. And we got a pretty decent one in San Diego. So, I tell you what. Allowing a drug does not necessarily make things better, even if you collect money for it. 
Um, pot is far less addictive than other drugs, including alcohol. That's just not true. Pot addiction is definitely real, and pot is a gateway drug to other harder drugs, including opioids, which includes heroin and meth. I have personal experience with this. I'll talk about this at the end later, but I, I know this for a fact. To say it will lead to less teenage use, next point, to say it will lead to ex-teenage use is just idiotic and makes absolutely no sense. Over 75% of students drink alcohol. Why? Because it's available. They do this. It's unreasonable to think that if we make pot more available, kids aren't going to get it. It's just a dumb argument. It doesn't even make sense. We have two drugs right now on the market that should prove that. Alcohol and cigarettes. Both are smoked by our, our kids. So that's really just insane to even think that. There's not even a reasonable reason to think that. The next one is, do you, uh, DUI arrests may actually lower... Is a really weird argument, actually. It's a very interesting argument. It's a weird argument. Here's the, here's the reality. That's probably true. Because let's just say I was a drinker. And I decided, you know, I'm going to stop drinking, right? I'm just not going to drink. I'm just going to smoke weed. Well, here's the problem. Weed does not have a solid... Um, does not have a solid test for it. And the reason is, weed stays in your system for anywhere from 30 to 90 days. So let's just say I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm not drunk, but I'm driving, I'm stoned. Okay, I get pulled over by a cop. He goes and tests me, and there's pot in my system. That would say, you would think that would say, I, I'm driving under the influence. Here's the problem. I could say, no, I didn't smoke weed for three weeks, four weeks. And because pot stays in your system so long, that's enough to get you to the courts. Alcohol stays in your system for 24 hours. It's out of your system after 24 hours. That's why when someone pulls over and they're drunk, and they're obviously drunk, you can prove it by a blood test or a urine test or a breathalyzer. You can't do that with pot. So the question the, the law enforcement needs to come into is, okay, well, how do we start testing this? Do we actually, is there any way, is it a physical test, which still doesn't apply to anything? If you get, and I've never had a drunk driving, I swear to God, I've never had a drunk driving. But if you get pulled over drunk driving, you do the sobriety test, but then you get a urine test or a blood test right after. And that's what's used in court. Can't do that with marijuana. So to sit back and say, DUIs will go down. Well, yeah, if you're a pot smoker and you drive under the influence, no one can test you. Interesting argument. I like that argument, actually. Breaking the law is breaking the law, even if one is black. I, do, I reject any argument that sits back and says... That performing law enforcement is racist because one race is doing something more than others. If blacks are smoking weed 
or Mexicans are smoking weed, they are still breaking the law. Period. Breaking the law is objective. It's not racist. So to sit back and say, oh, well, we can lower racism by legalizing weed doesn't make any sense. You know what we can also do? Is legalize blacks and just let them do whatever they want. That'll lower racism too. That's stupid. I I, I absolutely hate identity identity politics. It drives me absolutely bat crazy. And it, it makes me back crazy because it's just illogical. Oh, crime going down. This is an awesome argument. I love when people make this argument. Um, yeah. If you legalize weed, crime will go down. You know why? Well, let me give you a metaphor. If we legalize murder, crime will also go down. If we legalize armed rib- robbery, crime will also go down. In San Francisco, they made it that breaking into cars to steal purses that are inside is an infraction, not a misdemeanor, not a felony. Guess what? A lot of people were breaking into cars. But meanwhile, robbery in San Francisco went down. Why? Because if you make a crime not a crime, well, then your crime rate's going to go down. It's just common sense. This argument is lazy. Crime isn't going down. If you just sit there and say, that's not a crime anymore, doesn't make it right. But the crime is still there. And a majority of Americans support legalization, and that's absolutely correct. It's absolutely, I, I know from people I've argued with, absolutely correct. Most Americans support drug legalization. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. A lot of Americans support free health care. That is going to be bad. If we implement that based off reason, the country will go under. Um, a lot of Americans support free college. That would also be a disaster because people think with their hearts. They don't think with their minds. They don't reason, which is what the left does, by the way. They tell them free college, free and legalized med- uh, uh, marijuana, legalized drugs. And the people hear that and they say, yay. But when the people actually hear um, well, this is what it's going to cost, and this is what we're going to raise your taxes to, to be able to support people sit there. It's the same with, sit there and say, no, I don't want to do that. Same with drug legalization. When people sit there and realize, well, we can legalize drugs, all smoke weed, but there are going to be a good 20, 30% of the population that's not going to be able to deal with it. A lot of people sit back and say, uh, no, I'm good. So those, I just countered all 10 arguments from this website I read in. And by the way, that website was a pro-pot website. I'm not done. I have three other arguments as to why the United States needed to keep pot illegal. It's too late. It's legal in 17 states. 
And by the way, if you go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, I've got all my resources there. I literally, I have six or seven resources for you to look at about this whole thing. It, well, the reason is because the first reason that was never talked about is personal. That's why I really busted my butt trying to get this podcast up. Uh, the first, my son died because of drugs. He started on marijuana. He wasn't even on alcohol. He started on marijuana. He then was getting into cocaine, then Oxycontin. Finally, he ended with heroin and meth. The day he died, and he didn't overdose. We don't understand. We don't. I'm not going to bring too much of this up because I got family listens to this. Uh, we don't know how he died. We know it was drug related. Okay, it wasn't an overdose though. When he died, they found him with meth and marijuana in his system. That right there should be enough. Here's the thing: it wasn't just him who suffered. He got he hung out with a lot of people who were also suffering from the dis, the same disease of addiction. I don't know what happened to him. I knew them, but I have no idea what happened to him. I didn't see any of those people at his funeral. And I wasn't angry about the fact that they weren't at his funeral. I just wondered where they were. What's my point? Marijuana is a gateway drug. It may not be a gateway drug for everybody. It may not be a gateway drug for me. I've smoked weed and I didn't particularly care for it. I never had it again. But it was for my son. And it was addictive. He never could stop taking it. So if anyone tells you, oh, it's not addictive, it's not a gateway. No, it is. And I know this because I've seen it. That's a lie. It may not be a gateway. It may not be addictive to everybody. But it is for some people. Or for most. Or for some. I don't know. Something I'm asked all the time. And we have debates. I have debates all the time with other people about this. Uh, they ask, you're a libertarian. Aren't you supposed to be for drug legalization? And that's a awesome question. Because as a libertarian, we believe that something that does not impede on other people or society should be legal. End of story. Here's the thing. And maybe a lot of libertarians haven't experienced what I've gone through. But drug legalization does impede on other people and society as a whole. One who depends on drugs steals, lies, ruins families. The death of my son killed my family. Is very hard. We're all still going through it. It's been a year and a half. We're all still crying. We all still talk about it. It's damaged us. I would say that's like the very definition of affecting other people. A drug user that typically, a drug users that 
typically have to get clean have to deal with police. Uh, drug users, when they don't want to be drug users anymore or they're forced not to be drug users anymore, typically have to get clean, which requires a detox center. Um, they have to deal with police and they have to deal with courts. They have health problems, typically that kind that they can't pay for. They end up unemployed, maybe homeless. They depend on social services to, to survive. They need food stamps. They need welfare. That's the very definition of one that affects society. I think, personally, me being against drug legalization, I'm more of a libertarian than being against drug legalization. Because those that are for it don't understand who's getting hurt by it. Now, here's a question for you. What's going to happen when we realize we made a mistake with legalizing drugs and want to, I don't know, I guess the term's going to be reban the drug? Well, cigarettes were never an option to ban. Too many people smoke and cigarette companies have too powerful a lobby. Alcohol was banned through prohibition in the early 20th century, but the drug we call alcohol was ingrained into our society. More people drank it than did not. It was impossible to get rid of. So, so much so, there is a constitutional amendment that says we screwed up, we tried to ban something that we shouldn't have banned. Um, question for you. If we've already had experience on drugs that we should have got, we should have never made legal, and we are on a daily basis or in the last century have tried to ban, have tried to push away, but we couldn't because they were so ingrained in society it was too late. Why do we want to bring another drug into that? What's going to happen 10 years from now? We, we find out that, oh, uh, Colorado, find, we'll find out in a couple of years. Marijuana is not great. It's messing up our society. We should ban it. But it's impossible to ban. Because marijuana becomes too ingrained into society. Finally, my last point. And then we can get on to something else. The one reason to really start eliminating these drugs is because when you give a mouse a cookie, they want a glass of milk. Colorado, which was the first state to legalize marijuana fully, fully, it could be medicinal, it could be for fun, it could be for whatever, has now passed in the state legislature the legalizing of the magic mushrooms. The That's right, a hallucinogen. Now, let me tell you something. I was no freaking, I was no freaking angel. Okay? I've used a lot of drugs in my life. But here's the thing. I stopped using drugs well before the age of 20. And because those drugs scared the crap out of me. 
magic mushrooms may sound absolutely harmless. They absolutely are not. They are not. I used mushrooms four times. And after the fourth time, my arse, I, I started twitching and I was having hallucinations while I was sober. To the point that I actually had to pull my car over and calm down. I never touched mushrooms again. This is the problem. Okay, we've legalized magic mushrooms. That's awesome. We've legalized weed. Awesome. Now we've legalized ma magic mushrooms. And by the way, there's no medicinal, medicinal purpose for magic mushrooms. That's garbage. There is nothing about mushrooms beside making you freaking stupid and paranoid. What's next? Hey, let's legalize cocaine. Let's legalize PCP. I mean, hell, Oxycontin is already legal. What about heroin? Heroin mellows people out. Once we legalize something, it's so hard to go back. And we need to realize that. So now it's time to come back around. We talked about this in the beginning. So let's talk about what my thesis is about. There are only three things that the brave new world needs from its citizens. Obey, enjoy, and work. Obey and work is beat into the system, citizens. From conception to birth, um, I'm sorry, hatching. Because don't forget, in Brave New World, they weren't born. They were basically all test tube babies. Pleasure is a tough one. Huxley came up with only two things that could keep people happy. Sex and drugs. Sex is awesome, but drugs last longer. Next time you're on Twitter and you see some Democrats screaming about legalizing drugs, ask them, what good will it bring? Why? They'll never answer, and some hippie will call you a Nazi, which makes, like, no sense. They're doing it for a reason. They're doing it because... They're capitulating to that type of people. It's a dumbing down of America. And the reason they need to dummy down America is because their arguments are bad. Because they have no arguments. So they must dummy down America. And I truly believe this is part of the reason why the opioid crisis hasn't been dealt with, even though I think there's lots of solutions to it. But just remember, the dumbing down of America is necessary for them. It's the only way they can kill the reason that the left has to counter. Because if we're all sharp, we're all aware, they can't win. They can only push their ideas if we just accept them openly and happily. I was going to write about the opioid crisis tonight, but I decided it deserves its own podcast. 
But I'll tell you one thing. This is the conspiracy thing. Why haven't we solved the opioid crisis yet? Why isn't anything being done? We may not be able to solve it, but we haven't done much of anything about it. Congress hasn't done anything. The president's trying, but he's... Why, why haven't we stopped drugs from crossing the border? Democrats have to admit that that's where the drugs are coming from, right? And who's in charge for creating the laws that will lock up the border and preventing opioids to come from coming into this country? Congress, through law. They won't do it. Think about it. See the 3D picture. For all of the references, visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can listen to my podcast on iTunes, Sound, um, not SoundCloud yet, iTunes, uh, Podcast Addict, Podbean, and YouTube. And I hope you really enjoyed this episode. This is Gene, and you've just listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.